this message and uh, for those of you who pay close attention to uh, our newsletter as well as our announcements uh, would know that two different titles have been given for this sermon and uh, my wife is such a person that pays close attention to these. In the newsletter I called it the authority of God's word which sounded very weighty, very serious and I thought perhaps too serious, too dry so last week in the announcements went with the power to change and I thought maybe that's a bit more happening, a bit more active, uh, you know, uh, might uh, be a bit more enticing and uh, I've then in the end uh, decided to basically use a combination of both of those titles uh, because they were meant to be related so I've gone with the authority of God's word and the power to change just to keep everyone happy who pays attention to how these things are communicated. Now, um, you, uh, you might be thinking, well, how are these things related? And that's the whole point of the sermon, so we will get there eventually. Uh, you might find uh, the power to change an enticing prospect, depending perhaps a little bit on your personality, whether you're a person who likes change uh, or whether you're not. Uh, I happen to exist in an interesting relationship where I'm a person who, if, if something has changed in any given day, it's been a good day. Uh, if there's been a, a week of change or something like that, I feel like things are happening uh, and uh, it's very exciting. Whereas the person I'm married to, uh, if nothing has changed in a particular year, then it's a good one and uh, we should celebrate the fact so... Uh, we have an interesting process of me suggesting changes, Judy, then suggesting why we shouldn't do those things and somehow we find our way forward. So I don't know what kind of personality you, more, you might be, someone who, who hates change uh, or someone who welcomes it, but uh, the whole point of our message here today is that God is a God who at the same time uh, is unchangeable in terms of his nature, in terms of his character, in terms of the things that he has spoken out over time, uh, those things are reliable and rock solid and hence we can talk about, if you like, the authority of God's word. And uh, that is recorded in the scriptures and I'll say a bit more about that in a few moments' time. However, on the other hand, God is a God of change because he is absolutely committed to the renewal, if you like, of every single person that he has given life to and the creation or the world uh, that they are part of. And so God doesn't sort of, you know, say a few things and, and then park himself on a throne and just say, you know, worship me and, you know, I'm now, I've retired, good luck with your life and, you know, we'll work it out. He, he doesn't say that. Uh, he actually is passionately interested in, in every person that he's given life to and then he sets out and he effectively seeks them and he then invites everyone on a journey which involves change. The Bible talks about people being born again when they say yes to Jesus Christ. It talks about us receiving even God's Holy Spirit within us uh, and, and changing as, as the Holy Spirit takes a hold of us. 
And so I want to talk today about the authority of God's word in the sense that the impact that it has on us as we receive it, as we submit to it, as we hear it, as we act on it, as we share it with others, as we speak it over ourselves and over other people and the way that it changes and impacts us. Now that might be something that perhaps is news to you. You might have thought of, you know, well, God's word, here it is. You know, it's in a Bible, it's in a book. You know, you put it there and sort of, you know, it, it, it doesn't move and it's stationary and, you know, uh, you know, well, I guess if you don't touch it, it doesn't do anyone any harm and, you know, that type of thing. But then we read something like this in the, the scripture, in the Bible itself, and it is basically saying God's word, if you like, is not bound up in this, this book only, but, but is far more active than that. Scripture says, for the word of God is alive and active. Alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So what the... Hebrew scripture is saying to us is that God's word is is on the move, it's doing things and it does many different things but one of the things that it does at this point is as as we receive it, as we read it, as we sit under the preaching of the word which you're doing right now, it then confronts the attitudes of our heart and the thoughts of our mind. And God is seeking to bring those attitudes and those thoughts into line, if you like, with his, not so that we will simply conform with a form of thought police, but so that life, which is contained within God, will come alive in us. Because to think uh, apart from or differently from the way God thinks about us really, in some ways, is to be dead or invite death. But when we agree with and accept the way God sees us and the way he thinks about us, we come alive, we become more alive and not unlike his word, we become alive and active as God's spirit is alive in us. So uh, while it might seem like a, a confronting thing, sword and dividing and, you know, the, the scripture talks about God even you know, being able to penetrate into the deepest areas of our life and sort out the good from the bad, the wheat from the chaff, the, the stuff in us that does us no good, that's going to cause us harm, and then to encourage and, if you like, fertilise and raise up the good stuff in us that then gives us life and, by God's grace, gives life to others. Gives, gives life to others. So I want to suggest today, and it might be a controversial idea, that in one sense, the Bible is not God's word. And what I mean by that is the Bible itself uh, refers to uh, God's word as being Jesus. These are God's words, there's no doubt about that, and we call it God's word because it tells the story of God's word, the Son of God. But to simply look at this book and say, well, you know, there's God's word. Uh, you know, uh, if I guess if we read it, you know, it might achieve a little bit. Um, I'll park it over there. It should be safe there. We'll keep it. 
stored away, but God's word is far more than what's contained in the pages of the Bible. Some uh, denominations or or churches are accused of worshipping Father, Son and Holy Bible. (laughs) Uh, They have elevated the scriptures almost into this place where they... The, the literal pages replace the life of God and the life of his Holy Spirit, which actually brings these alive and helps these words make sense to us. And so hence we have the idea of the, the Trinity being Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and that's the thing that we worship. But of course the scriptures give structure and life to how God communicates with us. And when we engage with it, even in the simple process of either reading it or, or sitting under preaching, it can really impact us in a powerful way. John's Gospel said makes these two statements and says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So John's putting the Word... And uh, if you like, putting him up almost on a pedestal alongside of God, and you're thinking, well, who is this word? What is this word? And then he puts us out of our confusion a few verses later and says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So the word, of course, is Jesus. That's who he's talking about. And The word of God is not just a book, but it turns out that it's a person and it's not just a person, but it's this uh, miraculous being with no sin who goes on to die for the sins of the world. And you may not have thought of Jesus as being a person whose words, you know, can impact or can change or can create, but I want to present to you today the idea that they certainly are. And I want to expect and believe today that as you grasp the idea that God is speaking, then you might allow yourself to open up to the possibility that God is speaking to you. In fact, we expect and believe nothing less than as the preaching of the word occurs, even right now, that God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, can speak to every single person in this place today. You might have thought, well, you know, I just came to church. It seemed like a good idea. Uh, You know, I know there's a bit of preaching or speaking in there. Uh, It comes to an end, I go out. But by the very fact that you're sitting where you are today and that I'm preaching to you from the Bible, which records, records the words of God, The possibility for a miracle to occur in your life is on right now. The possibility for you to hear from God in a way that you haven't before or for a very long time is opened up and active right now. And the question I guess that we all need to ask in church or any time of the day is, are we open to receiving? Are we open to hearing? Are we open to believing? And, and what might God want to say to us? How might he want to speak to us at this particular point in time? So I want to encourage you with that idea and I want to get you to open up now to the idea that God is about to speak to you and that God is about and wanting to talk to you 
in a very powerful way. In the Bible, we see God doing a number of things by speaking. And Wayne mentioned earlier that uh, uh, this week we're going to be having pastors uh, Rob and Liz Bailey with us uh, throughout the week, meeting in our groups and then meeting with us next week. And they have got an excellent uh, ministry and prophetic ministry where they speak into people's lives by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in a way that has a significant impact on the way that they see themselves and the way that they see uh, their situation. So I want to really encourage you to be part of that this week, be part of them being with us next weekend. They're willing to pray for and speak over every single person who comes, either in a group or on Sunday night or here on Sunday morning. And I can tell you by experience that they've spoken into my life on occasions and it's had a significant impact. I want to just do a quick tour of God's word or God's words and talk and look at how God acts by speaking uh, in this congregation, uh, how he has acted by speaking in history. Now, we just read the start of John's Gospel, which reads very familiar to the first three verses of Genesis chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there's the Spirit right at the start where John also says the word was as well and God said let there be light and there was light. Now we can reflect and, and take some interest or fascination in what scientific process was going on but the point I want you to catch is right at the very start of the scriptures God speaks and something happens. God speaks and the world as we know it comes into being. And it's like that with us when God speaks to us for the first time in a way that we either understand or realise or accept and something comes alive in us. Something is created in us. Something, when we hear it for the first time, changes and we become agents of change in our life. And there'll be many of you here who can recount quite easily the time where you first sense God communicating with you. For some of you, it might have been when you were very young. Some of you, it might have been around the time when you became a Christian and said yes to Jesus. Some of you, you might have been a lot older when you had that sense. Maybe some of you could never really point to a time when you felt God communicated with you. Maybe you just say, well, I don't know if I can actually point to that. And you might think, well, was something wrong with me or, you know, where do I stand in this? But I just want to encourage you that God desires to speak to everyone. God wants to communicate with all of his people and with all of his children. And sometimes the question for us is, have we put ourselves in a place where we can hear from him? Have we opened ourselves up to what's being said here? Have we sat in enough sermons, if you like, or do we miss too many? Do we disregard the preaching of the word and, and, and not put ourselves in that place? But I want to suggest that God is ready to speak. And when God speaks, something happens. Secondly, God speaks through his creation. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. So the Bible's telling us that not only did God speak creation into being, but then through creation he makes a statement again today that the the creation reveals something of God's nature, not all of it, but something of it, and that even though it itself doesn't speak, that it's revealed through that as well. Now, even more exciting is the fact that God's word will accomplish its purposes. Isaiah 55 says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So through the scriptures, through the teachings of Jesus, God is on a mission and has spoken into his world. He has spoken into this church and his word just doesn't go out and bounce back, but it has an effect and creates an an impact. And not only that, I want to suggest to you today that God desires to have that same impact on the life of every single person here today. God, in fact, I believe, has a word or words for everyone here. Now, you might be thinking, well, Pastor, how does that work? How do I know if it's God? You know, what does that look like? And that can occur for us in lots of different ways. My sense is that the more you place yourself in the reading of the scriptures, the more you engage with the Bible on the one hand, the more likely it is that God is going to speak to you because you're placing yourself in the words of God and then they are applied to you or affirmed to you in some way. And I've had many different experiences of that where I have really felt something very special God has spoken to me on. Many of you have heard the story when... Um, in 2003, I decided to read the Bible from cover to cover uh, and uh, found a time of the day when I could read a portion of it. Got to May, nothing had happened whatsoever of significance. I didn't mind because I just thought, oh, I've got to do it. I, I think I should do it as a follower of Jesus. And then uh, at the start of May, uh, I started reading the story of uh, a young woman called Hannah who couldn't have a baby. Uh, she was really upset by it. Uh, she cried out to God and she prayed a, a weird prayer where she said, look, I actually want the baby, but I'm going to give him to you. I'm, I'm going to commit him to your service. Sort of one of those prayers where saying, I want it, but I'm going to give it back. How does that work? I don't know. But anyway, she has the baby and she gives it to God. It becomes Samuel, one of the greatest leaders of God's people ever. And as I'm reading that story, just like I did any other day, the Holy Spirit came upon me in a way that I can still remember today in the front room of the house we lived at in Catherine Avenue, Flinders Park, and just really started to speak to me about this woman's example of putting God first in her life and deciding not to get stressed out about the thing that she didn't have, but in fact, when she got it, to commit it to God's purposes. And I really felt the Lord saying to me, do you see what this young woman has done? 
can you identify with the fact that I'm inviting you to give your first and your best to me, David? And I, I'm just reading this and I'm seeing this and I, I, I can't believe that someone would do this, but I also sense the idea that God was inviting me to do the same. And at the time, I w- didn't really know what that looked like. Uh, a couple of years later, year and a half later, um, I was invited to uh, join the staff of the Christian Family Centre at Seton as a pastor and it became clear to me that God had prepared me to give him my first and my best in terms of my time and my energy, my skills and my talents by serving through a pastor and he prepared me through that encounter with the scriptures a year and a half ago. And you might be a person, maybe you're saying, listen, nothing much happening in my life. You know, I don't, I don't hear from God, Pastor. You know, I don't know what's going on. But I'm asking you, have you engaged with the scriptures, whether it's through sitting under the preaching of the word or more importantly, reading it regularly? It might take a while, but God might be wanting to set up in your life something that he wants to reveal to you through his word. Because he is speaking and he's looking at creating something in you. The question will always be, I guess, are we listening? Are we waiting? Are we watching for that moment to occur? Uh, So God's word will accompany its purposes. Often we think, how is this going to work? What does this look like? But God's saying it's going to happen. And finally, God's word is reliable. The psalmist says... uh, that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God himself says, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. So we can be sure that God is committed to what he's spoken. God is committed to what he's said. We don't need to worry about his reliability or whether he's going to follow through on what he's promised to do in our life. He's reliable and he wants to do something uh, in and through his word. Now, so we've established that God's word is active and effective, that he's speaking, that he wants to speak to us. Uh, But I want to ask you to think for a moment about your words. Now, you might be thinking, okay, is he going to tell us not to swear? Um, You know, like, how does that look? But it's actually a little bit more exciting than that. Um, Because we were talking about God's words, but now I want to consider our words, because along with our thoughts and our action, uh, there, is, there is important as well. Um, when I got up yesterday, uh, our uh, 23-year-old daughter, and she's 23 in December, she's 22, better get that right, our 23-year-old daughter still lives with us, and uh, I'm out in the kitchen and, um, you know, preparing a meal or eating breakfast, reading the paper, and I hear her cough and then clear her throat or something like that. And I'm listening to it, I'm going, that sounds like Judy. And so I'm thinking, is Judy up there or is Emily up there? So I walk up and try to identify the source of the cough and the the throat clearing, and it's Emily. And it occurred to me that my daughter clears her throat and coughs in exactly the same way that my wife does. And uh, I don't, do you feel proud, Jude, that this has happened? (laughs) This is a significant moment in your parenting. You must be excited. But it was this weird... And I'm thinking, like, what is that about? Did that happen at birth? Do they just... 
mimic each other in their coughing and throat clearing? Uh, Is it a sign of belonging to each other? And I thought to myself, you know, it's amazing that something so minute could actually occur. And as I was reflecting on this message later in the day, I thought, you know, it's not unusual for children to speak like their parents. Parents, do you know this? You've been through the very important lesson of being very careful what you say in front of your kids uh, so they don't repeat it when the guests are around and then say, oh, that's what Dad says, (laughs) that's what Mum says. You think, oh, well, there we go, my reputation's shot. Um, But it's true that our kids pick up a lot of speech and a lot of mannerisms for us. I also believe couples, at times, hear Judy saying things that I say and I'm thinking, honey, I wouldn't actually... That sounds weird when I hear you say it, but I can't complain about it. The point that I'm trying to make is that it's not unusual or unexpected that we should speak like how Heavenly Father speaks. That that when he speaks faith, we should speak the language of faith too. When he speaks hope and love, that his children should speak the same language. And sometimes it's very confronting to ask the question, what comes out of my mouth as a follower of Jesus? How does it line up with what comes out of his mouth? What comes out of my mouth as a child of God? How does it line up with what comes out of his mouth as our heavenly father? And when we start running that test through, it can be quite confronting, but I want to actually suggest it's an opportunity to say, I can, I can do better. In fact, as the Holy Spirit comes alive in me completely and utterly, I believe I will do better. And then I'll naturally think the thoughts of God. I'll naturally speak out the words of God and it will become a blessing not only to me, but it will become a, a blessing uh, to those around me. It'll become a blessing to my church. It'll become a blessing to my family. It'll become uh, a blessing Uh, to my co-workers, a blessing to my school, a blessing to my community, that that as I'm filled with the thoughts and the language and even the actions of God the Father, that I start to carry the words that he has spoken into those situations. You may not be able to stand up in your workplace and say, I'd now like to read from the fourth gospel. I mean, that's probably not going to work. However... You can speak hope and life and faith and trust and belief in Jesus into situations. You can carry that light by the stuff that comes out of your mouth and by the actions that you uh, partake. So it's a very powerful invitation for us to be part of that. I had an interesting experience. It was the end of 2012 uh, and um, it would have been in one of my devotional times again that, that... moment in the day where I stop and, and be quiet, it's, it's a miracle, um, and um, read my Bible and Jude takes a photo of it actually happening and uh, I'm not speaking but I'm trying to listen and hear God speak and in 2012, Judy and I had been through a really um, difficult patch over about a four year period, various things happening in our family and in our ministry life and in our finances It had really been uh, something quite different from what we had been expecting for that time. And when things go wrong uh, and not according to plan and 
and there are difficulties that occur, it can really affect our thinking. It can affect the language that comes out of our mouth. It, it can move away from being language of faith and hope and love to you know, fear and doubt and despair. Sometimes it seems that it's not a long journey from one to the other. And I remember in this time, God really uh, sort of saying, you know, um, uh, David, I've actually heard enough of that now. That, that, that talk of, you know, the difficulties and the, the trials and the tests. Uh, and, and I want the year to come to be a year of faith-filled thought and speech uh, and prayer. He, he really confronted me on that and he was bringing my attention to the fact that many of my words weren't matching the words that he'd spoken over me and my life. That At times they didn't match the way that he saw my circumstances and he saw my situation and he was bringing my attention to it. We have to remember that for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit's alive on the inside of us. And I want you to consider what you are subjecting the Holy Spirit to as you live your life. <laughs> like seriously, is the Holy Spirit bored? <laughs> is the Holy Spirit frustrated? Is the Holy Spirit uh, trying to speak life and love over you and through you over others? And are you saying something different over yourself and over others? Is there a conflict going on between what he is trying to do in and through you, for you and over you, and then to others, and what you're actually uh, thinking and, and coming up with. I want to challenge you on that because I think God certainly challenged me with that and brought my attention to it, and it led really to a fantastic period of time where I've really tried to always reflect on the attitudes and the speech that was coming out of my mouth and try and line it up with what God was saying. We have an interesting view of talk at times. You've probably heard the, the statement, he's all talk. Sometimes someone will say that a person, or she's a windbag, you know, with the idea being that, uh, you know, uh, talk is cheap, talk is nothing, uh, you know, it doesn't matter, but we should never underestimate the power of speech. Some talk is frivolous, but much talk has an impact on us and on others. Uh, if I'm to say to somebody that I know really well, if I'm to say to Jude, for example, oh, I hate you, I mean, that's going to have an impact on her. That, that's going to leave a mark because, uh, and the closer the relationship, the greater the impact. So we need to be careful and aware of the things that we say because they do actually have an impact. Our speech actually does make a difference to the tone of our own life and to the flavour of the lives around us. So I want to encourage us to be a church and a people that does our very best to match and to line up our speech with the speech of the Heavenly Father who's speaking life over us and over everyone all the time. Proverbs chapter 4 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. This could be read as God is speaking. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. The words of God are life to those who find them and health 
to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. God is saying, be careful about what grows in here and then watch what comes out of here because it's a guide to what's going on in here. It's a pointer to what you've allowed to well up in here. So beware of what you are speaking. Take stock of how you are feeling and the things that you've grown up, that you've allowed to grow up inside of you. In a few moments' time, we're going to celebrate a time of communion, but I want to move towards our conclusion. If I could start doing that now, that would be great. Um, Jesus made some outstanding statements about uh, life and, and love and various different things, but these, this statement here, reported in two Gospels, really takes a lot of getting used to. Uh, Jesus said on one occasion, Truly I tell you, Speaking to his followers, if anyone says to this mountain, grow, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now, the focus is not on the mountain. It's that the faith-filled speech is overwhelming in its potential and in its possible impact on the world around us. He said it a different way when reported in Matthew 17, uh, his disciples had not been able to drive out a demon out of a, a young boy, which Jesus then achieved fairly easily. And they said, how come we couldn't do it? And he said, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, a very small seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And six words that we ought to keep buried in our brain, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible through you through faith-filled speech and prayer. And we wonder, are there any limits to that? Like, is that, why did he say that? He didn't leave himself any wiggle room. But I, I think we as a church and as individuals need to be alert to the fact of the power of our speech, yes, to do harm, but probably more importantly, the power of our speech to create, the power of our speech to give life, to have an impact, to be spoken into prayer, to bring life to our community and our congregation. So we need to be aware that Jesus has given us an incredible promise about our speech. He went on to say elsewhere in relation to prayer, another statement that sometimes is a little bit hard to follow. He said, I will give you... The keys to the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. On this occasion, he was talking to Peter, his lead disciple, and the temptation might be to think, oh, well, it's just about Peter. I mean, they just whacked it in there to fill up a space. But later in Matthew, he then is speaking to all of his disciples and he repeats it. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then to give a bit of context, he says, Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Folks, 
when during this time of confrontation in relation to my words, I came across these passages and the author that I was reading at the time made the point that the binding and the loosing power is here on earth. We often think, well, I'll pray these little prayers and they get fire up there. But Jesus said to us that whatever you bind and loose here on earth has effect in heaven. And sometimes we're sitting here complaining about this situation and we're frustrated by this and we don't know why that's not fixed and, and we've got a long list of things that, that we'd like to see be different. But I think the question that we're being asked today is, have you done any binding or loosing lately? How have you spoken over that situation in prayer, that person that you're concerned about? How have you bound the work of the enemy in their life in prayer? And how have you loosed the goodness of God over them? Because so often the words that are coming out are a statement about what is, but there's no words coming out about how we'd like to see the change occur. Because we're just repeating if you like, on some occasion, the curse of the enemy over a person or a circumstance, instead of saying, I release into your life in this circumstance the goodness of God. I bind the work of the enemy over this person or this situation. I cause you to quit and I say, be free in Jesus' name. And friends, so often we're frustrated, we're concerned for our kids, we're concerned for this, we're concerned for that, And we've been given an incredible privilege and power through prayer. And do we take it up? And do we speak it over situations? And do we release the goodness of God through praying? Sometimes we're thinking, that's just me. What can I do? Jesus is saying, your prayers and your word has effect straight up. And it's a challenge for all of us today to engage with this. To make sure that we're aware of the power of God's word in our life and the power of our words in our life and the lives of others. Is that an encouragement to you, church? Question, is this you? As we move towards wrapping up. is, Is this you? Okay, that's the question. Your awareness of engagement with the authority of God's word and it's his power to change may have become a little dull. Now, we all have to face up to this some stage. I do as well. Judy and I, uh, I've been doing my life journal readings out of this Bible, which has no notes or anything like that. And uh, Judy came home during the week and said, I've bought a study Bible. I nearly fell off my chair. That's fantastic. She's been to Kurong and spent money. That's never happened before. (laughs) I said, very good. She said it was $72. (laughs) I said, really, Jude, it must be a good one. What's it bound in deer hide and bound with gold? No, it's a very good study Bible. It's large print, isn't it, love? So we can both read it now. Thank you, Jesus, for large print Bibles. And it's the Life Application Study Bible. And I'm thinking, oh, that's pretty good. I, I haven't actually I've heard a lot about it. I haven't read it before. And I, so I grabbed it and I started reading it. And now I'm using it for my devotions. But... It's, it's just bringing a life and the extra reflection notes that go with the scriptures as we read this week through the life of Joseph, who God has also spoken to me through. 
his life? Are you connecting with that? You're you're worried about your circumstances. And here this week, our reading takes us to a young fella whose life was had a vision of some some incredible future, but then his life went from bad to worse. Does that sound familiar to anyone? He he went, uh, he got deeper and deeper into doo-doo. And yet the Bible's saying the Lord was with him. What's that all about? How can that be so? And you're sitting there wondering about your situation and your circumstances and God's saying, pick up the reading plan because I'm ready to speak to you through this man's life. I want to talk to you about your circumstances. I want to sow a message of hope into what you're going through. I want to cause you to pray with faith and not complain in despair. But we're just sometimes too busy or we've got bored or we need to buy something to break the lack of momentum that's in our word of the scriptures. Because God's word is alive and active and he's ready to speak into your situation. Are you engaged? Are you open? Are you doing that process? Is that a description of you? I want to encourage you, church. I don't say it for fun. I'm reading the... I'm reading those words. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. His life's getting worse and worse, but the Lord's with him. And it turns out they're not setbacks. He's just moving him closer to his destiny. God's playing the long game in the life of Joseph. Yes, it's not been a good week. It hasn't been a good year, but God hasn't quit with him. It's the same for you. God hasn't finished with you. Are you listening to what he wants to speak over you? Are you putting yourself in that place where he can speak over you? You have today. God wanted to encourage some people here today. God wanted to lift up some people here today. And you're hearing even the words of Joseph, these four words, that Lord was with him. Five, you just needed to hear that. The Lord is with you. No matter what's going on, the Lord is with you. Are you aware of it? Is that you? Second, your awareness of an engagement with the authority of your words and their power to change may have become a little dull. Have you got to a situation where your prayer is becoming ineffective? Your, this chance meetings you have with people or this opportunity, even when you acknowledge someone by saying, hello, such and such, you use their name. You speak a statement by saying, you exist. I see you. A simple greeting. I see you. I acknowledge you. Just something as simple as that can change a person's day, a person's life, a person's world. We do the greeting here in church for a reason every week. So I want to get you to reflect over both of those. And I just want to finish with a few scriptures and then we're going to pray and have communion. Proverbs 18.21 in the message says, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. Very stark choice. You choose. What words do you want to receive spoken over your life? Is it some crazy stuff coming out over the airwaves? Or is it something that the living God wants to say over you right now? What do you want coming out of your mouth? Words that... Crush, kill, destroy, or words that give life. 
Ephesians 4 tells us plain and simple, don't let unwholesome talk come into your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. An instruction to the church through that letter about how we can encourage each other and how we can build each other up according to what they need, that it may benefit those who listen. Jesus said, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I'm going to ask you today, church, what's in your storeroom? What's in your storeroom? What do you put there? What fills it up? Is it time to replenish? Is it time to throw a few things out, get rid of those things that are not good and instead receive the words and the life of Jesus? And finally, consequently, faith comes from hearing this, the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Let's just close our eyes in a moment of prayer. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the word that is your son and consequently the words that come through him to us that have been spoken over us here today. And Father, I'm very mindful today that there are people in this place that needed and encouragement. They needed to hear a word of hope and faith spoken over them. They needed to hear your words spoken over them. And Father, just at this moment in time, I just I'm pausing as I'm praying because I really believe you want to just encourage some people here this morning. I really believe that God by his Holy Spirit is just comforting some of you now and encouraging you and, and he's saying, Son, daughter, I love you. I see you. I care for you. And I desperately want you to be with me. I want to have you and encourage you. I just thank you, Lord, that you are lifting up some people in this place. People who've been through events or are going through circumstances that are attacking their faith-filled thought, that are confronting the words of life that have been spoken over them, that they're wrestling with. But, Lord, you want to encourage them this morning. You want them to know that no matter what the journey contained or has contained right now, that you are drawing them back into a place of fellowship with you, that you are drawing them into your presence, that you are speaking new words over them, Lord, and that you're encouraging them in their walk with you. Receive freely today, says the Lord. This is what he's saying to us. Receive freely. I have speech and love and life and hope and faith for everyone to abound in your heart. I can fill it to the brim. Will you receive it today? Will you exchange your dross for this gold that I'm offering you? Father, we thank you for the fact that you offer everyone the gift of life, that you offer everyone the gift of your grace and your mercy. And we say yes to you today in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I'm going to invite our team to come to the front and I'm going to invite our ushers who are handing out communion today to come. We're going to close our service with uh, uh, a simple ceremony that many of you are familiar with, but one that we want to make clear is open to everyone to take part in today. We're giving out a piece of bread uh, and a piece of uh, a cup of wine, which are simply meant to represent Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. And by accepting these today, we're giving you the opportunity to say, I acknowledge uh, Jesus Christ. I want to honour him. I want to acknowledge him. It doesn't mean that you have to declare that you're a Christian today or anything of that sort. But if you are a Christian or you want to acknowledge Jesus, you're welcome to take part in the communion today. Jesus said uh, at the start of the Last Supper that's recorded in John He said to his disciples, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken over you. Jesus speaks a word of wholeness over us here today, speaks a word of cleanliness. And the symbols and the ceremony that we're engaging in now represent the fact that God withheld nothing from us. If God gave us his only son to die in our place, to break the power of our sins in our life, then he will certainly speak to us and lead us on the way everlasting. He will certainly give us that guidance, that direction, that word, that encouragement here today. In fact, I have a sense today that some of you uh, are going to speak a word of encouragement over someone this morning. I just had that sense when I was speaking then. This is a great opportunity day to encourage someone. Might be something simple. Might be just, hey, I'm glad you're here. Or it might be something specific. I really encourage you to make sure that you're here at church next week because some of you are going to receive a word that you're going to write down and keep forever. You're going to receive something that's going to have a material impact on your current life. So I just encourage you now to accept these emblems and to prepare in Jesus' name.